There are some who call me Tim. The lights go down and shadows fall. Welcome to a world of mysteries, of conspiracies, of hidden and forgotten knowledge. There's a world more strange, more frightening, and more fascinating than most people ever imagined or dared to contemplate. Your parents, your teachers, never told you the whole story, either out of ignorance or fear. Your politicians may know, but they keep their mouths shut. The door is open. Throw off your chains and blinders, arm yourselves with the truth, and take a walk along the razor-sharp precipice of the Outer Edge. That's right, you're walking along the shadows. The shadows of the outer edge. I'm Tim Swartz, and welcome once again. Welcome, Mike Mutz, to the outer edge. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> yes, indeed. Here we are again, late at night and feeling bright. <laughs> uh, poet and didn't know it. That's what I heard. <laughs> kind of absurd. Anyway. That's right. Um, how was your week? Was, was it good? Bad? Indifferent? Oh, it was a week. <laughs> yeah. uh, busy, busy as usual. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it just always seems like that, uh, um, you know, uh, one day just blends into the other and uh, nothing yes. gets done. <laughs> faster and faster. Faster um, and faster it goes. Meanwhile, all this crazy stuff's going on with the earthquakes and the volcanoes and all the rest of it. Very interesting. Oh, my gosh. That uh, um, Do you see the, uh, there was a picture that just, I, I saw it yesterday, that uh, um, it showed like the, uh, uh, the the god of the volcano. Yeah, yeah. It, the it, that, yeah, that was that was that that was cool. You know, it's just well, yeah, amazing. There were several shots. Yeah, I, they, I mean, it was so it's so eerie. I mean, it, it's it's pareidolia, but it's just so uncanny because it goes on and on and on, and it looks like a huge figure. You could see all mm-hmm. kinds of details and uh, symmetrical features and everything. It's really strange. Um, you know, when I first thought saw it, the, the first thing I thought was Abaddon or Apollyon, the destroyer. And then after that, I thought about uh, a character from Clark Ashton Smith's. Uh, Zulfik stories, a uh, uh, sort of a uh, demon god called Thysodon, and it, it just mm-hmm. it just really was that distinct. And people that saw it, you know, they said all kinds of stuff like that. They were talking about, uh, you know, Clash of the Titans, and you know, the, the big sandstorm <laughs> monster from the Mummy. Oh just, yeah, yeah. So it was pretty obvious to everybody that it was a very humanoid-looking uh, figure in the volcanic ash. Uh, what gets me is. You know, there was a, the quake in Nepal, and we pray for those people. I've got friends over there, and including the people that were working on the the new knives and blades that I had. Designed. Oh, oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and hopefully, and oh, well, fortunately, they the main guys I know over there are okay, but some of them lost family members, which of course is is bad, bad news, yeah. and very sad. But uh, they, you know, if, if you look at Nepal, it, where it's located on the globe, and then you go over a few thousand miles to the east. You come to the shore of Hokkaido, which is the northernmost uh, island of Japan, and a few days after the earthquake, uh, 50 foot of new ground rose from the sea along the shoreline of Hokkaido. 
uh, 50 feet, I should say, uh, 50 feet high, it rose out of the sea. And oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's, huh. it's pretty cool. It, it, but, well, I guess it's cool. It's actually kind of freaky. Yeah, and then if you, if you look at it on, on the globe and you go, you know, several thousand miles across the Pacific, you come generally to the region of the Yellowstone caldera. Right. So they're, they're all lined up uh, on the globe. So it's it's uh it's uh it's it's something to think about definitely you know something's causing this now is it is it I mean is it gravitational forces well obviously it, it it must be and I think that we know what's probably causing that but also I think there could be some other things that we're doing to exacerbate it in terms of uh, particle colliders and stuff I mean I have to wonder mm-hmm. you know. Well, I mean, you know, the Earth is uh, the Earth is living and active. I mean, it's constantly moving, constantly changing. I mean, you know, you you have earthquakes and volcanoes, and you know, yeah. the, uh, the the continents are constantly you know moving and grinding against each other. I mean, it's uh, if uh, if it wasn't that way, we would be Mars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. But you know, I remember hearing something recently about uh, someone had recorded some sounds deep in the ocean under the crust. And they said it sounded like machinery, like something oscillating, like a machine. Hmm. And they actually have recordings of this, and uh, they're trying to figure out what it is. And that really worries me because if there is, if somebody, if you say five years ago, six years ago, if they did something that created the, something that could grow into a quasar, that's probably what a quasar would sound like because it would oscillate and it would spin as it grinds up stuff. You know, as it burns its way through the crust, it, you have to wonder. You know, there's a lot of really weird stuff going on. So, well, I would, uh, I would really hope that uh, um, you know, it's it, it's kind of like the discussions that we've had before about you know global warming. That yeah. uh, uh, you know, the 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 things that that humans do really have a minuscule effect. Yeah, know, most on, things, on we, things most like we do. But you know, we create a fundamental particle, oh, yeah. so, so uh, or a black, a black hole. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, see, you get enough black, many black holes together, and they'll 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 form a quasar. You know, uh, this dumb things that that we can't even figure out. You know how to make the mail run on time, and then we're going to go around fooling with you know the secret building blocks of the universe. That's pretty mm-hmm. stupid. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, sounds like a bad. Uh, 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 sci-fi channel movie, you yeah. know, <laughs> the black hole, you know, they, they create a black hole in the library, uh, in a laboratory, and then it escapes, and the, the rest of the show is, you know, the, the hero yeah. and the, yeah. and the, and, and the female scientist chasing the black hole around the country trying to, uh, <laughs> encapsulate yeah. it or something. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, I thought about the same thing. It sounds like a bad sci-fi channel movie, doesn't it? But yeah, it does. <laughs> here's the thing, though, if it actually happened, there wouldn't be anything you could do about it. Oh, no, no. It would fall straight to the center of the planet. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, uh, there, there's an episode of The Simpsons, you know, like one of their Treehouse of, uh, of, of Terror episodes, yeah. where, uh, a black hole is accidentally created, and, uh, Lisa takes it and, uh, hides it in the basement at first, because, you know, she was responsible for its creation. But yeah. then everybody, uh, everybody in the family uses it as a, uh, a trash collector. They chuck the, like, the household trash into it, so it just <laughs> keeps, it just keeps growing bigger and bigger, and then the town finds out about it, and they want to use it for the same thing. 
and yeah. finally it it just reaches that uh, that point where it's just uh, it it grows so big that everything gets uh, sucked into it. Well, you know the interesting <laughs> thing about a black hole, really, the effects will be seen and they'll be larger and larger, but the bigger it actually becomes in terms of its mass, the smaller it becomes in terms of its volume. Mm-hmm. It's, it shrinks. The heavier it gets, the more it collapses in on itself. So, and of course, but it's the gravitational effects, you know, that that create the the so-called hole because because light can't escape, you know. Um, it's it's gravitational pull, but uh, it's a pretty creepy thing to think about, you know. I mean, these are things that normally we know are out there gobbling up stars and planets out in the, out in the galaxy. We don't need one here. <laughs> we can do well, you know, that. You know, there was, and it's been like maybe ten years ago. You know, there was a a theory put out there that uh, you know the uh, Tunguska blast may right. have been caused by a you know like a microscopic uh, a black hole that that wandered uh, into the Earth. You know, it just it, yeah. it went into it went to the Earth and out on the other side. Right, uh, and you know, I, I guess where it where it came in was Tunguska, but they never could uh, find any um, any evidence right. that that it came out the other side. <laughs> if that was traveling the case. at a high rate of speed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, just you know, just so small that I mean, you really you really couldn't even see it. But enough, big enough to do you know like that kind of damage, it yeah. would have to have been microscopic. Yeah, actually, and see, well, you think about it. I mean, that's what they've been talking about at CERN. They've been wondering if they could create microscopic black holes so they can observe them, and they're bra- they're basing all this on the theory that black holes of a certain tiny size evaporate, and that theory comes from Stephen Hawking, and it's something. It's a theory based on something called Hawking radiation, where they mm-hmm. basically just evaporate, turn into radiation, and dissipate. But then. When they were getting wound up to go, Hawking said, hey, guess what? Uh, I think I was wrong about that. Um, uh, you might want to. Actually, he said, I think I was wrong about that. You might not want to do that. So, you know, but they went ahead and did it anyway. Even though the guy whose theory they were basing it on said, hey, uh, that's dangerous. Don't do that. So, yeah, this, that's where we are. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the famous last words. Ah, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they actually said stupid stuff like that. I mean, oh, they, sure. they were, when they were asked to begin, at the beginning of all this, they said things like, well, we think there's a very small chance that we could do permanent damage to the planet, but that's a chance we're willing to take. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you do that, asshole. Uh, you know? Who, who, who elected you king of the planet? You know? And, uh, things like that. I mean, uh, and what was it? Oh, we think the odds of destroying the planet are about the same as winning the lottery three times in a row. Uh, well, let's just forget the fact that people have actually won the lottery three times in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you still yeah. don't get to make that call, you know. <laughs> it's just well, no you know, it's 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 that uh, um, I don't know. I, I, it's it's that idea that uh, uh, that we all have that you know you're going to live forever. You know, especially you know, like with the kids and teenagers, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, scientists who are like that. I mean, you know, uh, probably the same kind of attitude that uh, some of these scientists had who were uh, who first developed, uh, you know, atomic and hydrogen weapons. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? You know. <laughs> well, you know, there was there was a concern that that would burn off the atmosphere. They didn't oh, know yeah. for sure, but they went yeah. ahead and did it anyway. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, this just that idea 
that uh, you know a, a hydrogen bomb could actually ignite the hydrogen in yeah. the atmosphere. I mean, that's sure. that's a that's a scary concept. Well, we're playing with things right now we really shouldn't be playing with, and they, you know, people say, "Well, that's, you're a luddite. You're scared of technology." And no, I'm not. I'm just, you know, hopefully smart enough to see that we don't know everything. And trying to learn everything by putting everything at risk is not an intelligent move. So, you know, that's just my opinion. But anyway, there's some other weird stuff going on in terms of science lately. Well, yeah, we talked about this a little bit for the uh, for the show. You know, um, there, there's been some uh, um, articles that have been uh, uh, put out recently about the uh, story of uh, uh, Zana or Zana. I'm not quite sure how the name is yeah. pronounced. I, th- I know, think it's uh, Zana. Yeah, yeah, like Zana, Zana the ape woman, right? And uh, but you know, I remember reading about this case years ago. You know, maybe Brad Steiger, Ivan Sanderson, or you know, somebody like that. You know, this story's been around for a long time, but uh, you know, this uh, uh, this was a. You know, uh, 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 I suppose like you know, like a Bigfoot type of a creature that was uh, captured in the uh, um, uh, Ural Mountain areas right. uh, in around the eighteen hundreds, eighteen eighties, or eighteen nineties, and um, uh, they actually uh, they actually use uh, the hunters had seen her in the same general area for a while, so they they used some like I guess like a red coat or something like that. And uh, they caught her as she was trying to put this on. And uh, the, the, the story goes that, I mean, she, you know, she was, she was tall and big, broad. She was covered in, uh, in, in kind of like a, 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 a fur. Uh, a, like you know, a russet hair, right? Like a, a some, sort of yeah. auburn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, you know, like her, her, the palms of her hand and her face were, were relatively, uh, hair free. But I mean, she, she definitely was like a wild, wild animal. I mean, her eyes, they, you know, they said that her eyes were red and fierce and that her mouth was full of like really sharp teeth and, and that she was, she was pretty dangerous too. Right. But they managed, they managed to capture her and then eventually they tamed her. Well, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, before we go further, that you mentioned mm-hmm. the, re- the red, cape or the cloak that they used to to lure her because you know uh, david polites has pointed out in his research that many of the people that vanish in, in wilderness and national parks are wearing red or bright colors mm-hmm. and uh you know that's very interesting and you have all the whole red riding hood thing you know with the hairy right. creature in the woods you know it's, it's just an interesting observation anyway but I guess she was she was like uh, uh, she was passed around. She she finally she ended up you know with uh, like a uh, um, like some noblemen, um, right? Uh, uh, but uh, uh, at that point she was relatively tame. I mean, they would allow her basically just kind of like free reign because she would always come back home, and right. uh, they they had trained her to do like rudimentary chores, you know, gather wood, things like that. They could never get her right. to wear clothes. Uh, right. She hated she hated dogs, uh, which they, you know that's another thing that you always hear about in uh, uh, right. lore here in the United States is that they hate dogs and dogs hate them. Yep, um, and that uh, eventually she ended up having um, four or five children. Right, by, uh, by different by guys the, who by different guys. Of the situation. They oh, were braver braver than I. 
Well, I guess what would happen is that uh, uh, they found out that she liked wine. So they, they actually, they would have, uh, the, the guy who owned her would have parties and would get her drunk, and then it would be like a contest on who would be brave enough to, you know, uh, uh, to, to lay with her. And, and apparently, you know, she didn't mind because apparently she had a pretty healthy appetite according to the stories. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, she eventually, you know, she had four or five children. Uh, uh, only a few of them lived, though. But they did live and they did uh, uh, they did grow up. And uh, for all intents and purposes, they looked, they, you know, they looked human. They looked different than uh, the people from the area. Well, they're, they're, uh, some of them, some of their descendants are still alive today. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. But they, yeah, they definitely had a different uh, physiology and physiognomy about them, the, the bone structure and everything else. Well, actually, they, uh, uh, some uh, Russian scientists uh, back, I think it was in the, uh, in the 90s, um, went back to the area and uh, uh, located the grave of her, her son. Um, and uh, uh, there's pictures of his skull, and his skull, uh, his name was like uh, uh, Kuit, I guess is uh, what. Yeah. And uh, um, his skull looks. Um, I mean, it's it's very. I mean, it's it's it, the the bone structure is extremely heavy looking, uh, compared to say like a, uh, a right. A, a modern human, I guess is what you'd want to call it. And a DNA right. test showed that. Um, uh, that 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 you know him and his mother were like, uh, or probably his mother um, was one hundred percent African, right? And uh, now recently, a uh, um, a DNA expert by the name of Brian Skies, I think, over in uh, Great Britain, um, he was saying that uh, uh, the DNA from Zana shows that uh, yeah, she was from Africa. But that she was uh, an archaic human, right? Uh, may, you know, maybe from uh, uh, humans that came out of Africa maybe a hundred thousand years ago, right? You know, like, In other words, she's basically uh, um, Heidelbergensis or or uh, even older Homo erectus, something like that. Something like that, yeah. But still uh, close enough genetically. That right. it's you know it's practically indistinguishable from you know Homo sapiens sapiens. Well, you know the uh, thing is that, and like we talked about before the show, you know, um, we are we only have one other species on the planet that's as um, sexually uh, malleable as we are, and that's probably canines. You know, because uh, dogs, jackals, coyotes, wolves, they can all interbreed, and their offspring will be fertile. Foxes even. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if you, and then you have all the different breeds of dogs, which range, of course, vastly in appearance and size and intellect. And I, I think that the human species is very similar to that. And, you know, the, the, the human genome project kind of proves, proves that. Well, it doesn't kind of, it does prove it because if you're, uh, of, of European descent, you're anywhere from two to four percent, uh, Neanderthal in your DNA. That's a fact now. We know that. Uh, right. If you're, yeah, if you're of East Asian descent, you're like 2% or so, maybe a little bit more sometimes, Neanderthal, and 2% Denisovan, which is a whole other species that's not Homo sapiens. So these are like 
the human race is cons- consists of subspecies of a greater species that can interbre- all interbreed with each other. So it makes sense that she would have been able to do this. And if you look at um, uh, even sub-Saharan Africans now, they say have no Neanderthal and no Denisovan DNA. They have, but they have an older archaic DNA um, that was actually found by a. a, a African American gentleman who who lived in uh, the Carolinas, who was uh, his after he passed away, his family sent his DNA off to the Human Genome Project, and that was like three hundred thousand years old, like really really old, uh, and they said it was so old that it was like at the very beginning of the hominy tree, maybe even before. That's how old that that it, it was actually a, the Y chromosome in his in his case. So wow. yeah, so we have been doing this, you know, just like. Uh, Somebody once said, like, kind of like the, you know, a fantasy world scenario, a uh, uh, Middle Earth or a Hyborian mm-hmm. Age. Yeah. And all this stuff, you know, like Howard, Robert E. Howard in the Hyborian Age, you know, wrote about these different races of people that were descended from different types of ape-like humans and they eventually become humans. And then the, then the Hyborian Age, and they, and they, and they fall, you know, they, there's Atlantis, and then they fall, and then they come back, you know, and they they devolve, and then they evolve again, things like this. So, you know, you have to wonder if that's not what we're seeing here, that we are all subspecies of a greater species, just like different breeds of dogs and wolves and canine. All the other canines are part of a of a larger family group. Maybe that's what human beings really are. Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting to see if anybody else takes this ball and and runs with it. Uh, because, I mean, the, uh, the information that has come out, you know, about this case and the DNA evidence has, I mean, it's just been just like a little, just, you know, little blurbs here and there. And, you know, uh, I've, I've, you know, I've researched it and I haven't found anybody else making any other comments about it, so. Well, that's because it's a sensitive subject because. It is. You know, it there is. are political ramifications and especially for those who are politically correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so there are things they will not talk about, even if it's backed up by science. And to me, that's just the ultimate form of uh, intellectual cowardice. And so, you know me, I'm not politically correct, so I'll say anything. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Uh, um, we're going to have to go to our break uh, in just a few seconds here, Mike. But uh, I want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, our guest tonight. It's Avon uh, right. Brashler, and uh, he's a former newspaper and magazine editor. Uh, he writes and he leads uh, workshops in the areas of uh, consciousness development, uh, pet healing, dream work, uh, that sort of thing. And um, he's uh, he's written a number of books. And his most recent one is called Confessions of a Reluctant Ghost Hunter, a cautionary tale of encounters with malevolent entities and other disembodied spirits, which uh, I tell you something, I'm, I'm happy to see somebody who is willing to, uh, uh, to discuss uh, that aspect of the whole, right. you know, ghost hunting uh, 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 phenomena, because I mean, right. you, know, you see, you see these television shows where everybody's out there, you know, with their electronic equipment and they're yelling and cussing at the ghosts and stuff. And yeah. you know, I always, I you know, I've said this in the show before. I said, oh man, you know, that's that that's not a smart thing to do. Well, first of all, they don't know who or what they're what they're dealing with. They can't see it. They can exactly. assume it's a ghost, or they can believe it if it says whatever it says it is. That doesn't mean that's what it is. And yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like it's like 
poking an elephant with a stick. You don't know what you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walking around blindfolded, yeah. I should say, and poking an elephant with a stick. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's go to our break here, and then when we come back, uh, we will have uh, Von Brashler on, and we will talk about uh, uh, the, the, the more unsavory side of, uh, of uh, poking the spirits with a big stick. We'll put it that way. Okay, so I'm Tim Swartz with Mike Mott. You are listening to The Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com. All systems are functioning. down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go talk stream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to The Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz, only on PSN Radio. And welcome back to The Outer Edge. I'm Tim Schwartz. With me is Mike Mott. And tonight our very special guest is Vaughn Brashler. Vaughn, how are you doing tonight? Uh, fine, Tim. Uh, you caught me right on the road on, uh, trying to get my bike fixed. And uh, here we go. <laughs> it's good to be with you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were able to catch you before, uh, before you left yeah. the house. <laughs> yeah. The wheel fell off. I know, I know. Oh, no. Oh, uh, hopefully not when you were uh, writing it. Well, it's good to be on the show. Thanks for calling. Oh, good. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> well, so, uh, welcome to the show, for sure. Yes, and, and by the way, that's uh, uh, Vaughn, that is uh, Mike Mott. Uh, he is our uh, uh, other co-host uh, with us tonight. Hi, Mike. Hey, Vaughn. Been looking over your, uh, your material. You've got, you've got some interesting stuff out there. Don't believe a word you read. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. They can, they can print anything these days, Mike. No, <laughs> no my books are largely autobiographical. So if they're crazy, I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, we we usually we usually steer away from uh, um, from from asking the standard yeah. questions, but uh, I think that uh, uh, for the benefit of our audience who who may not be familiar uh, uh, with your work. Why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got interested in uh, 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 you know this uh, the, the the esoteric the paranormal what have you the great woo <laughs> there, yeah there oh that's that's I like that the great woo <laughs> woo woo yeah uh, well I I started out as a journalist uh, just the facts man sort of guy um, I worked uh, a lot of community newspapers I worked a bit in radio. Um, and um, then I started having very interesting uh, experiences. I think as a child I could see it kind of coming, but I would just kind of, you know, nobody would take any of it seriously, so I, I didn't take any of it seriously. I started um, started having time loops, time slips, and uh, memories of past lives, and I started... Oh, kind of, I guess you would say, by locating. And, and I said, no, it's all in your head, kiddo. And I just, you know, steered to the, steered to the, uh, the shore and didn't go out too deep. And, uh, then, um, you know, I, I, uh, I just finally, I said, you know, it's just all bottled up in me. I'm just going to tell it like it is. I started, Writing and I write I write basically autobiographical stories, but I try to try to research them to the my best degree. I've written on dreams and uh, working with a dream teacher on a dream level, on a dreamscape, if you will, uh, out of body. I've written on um, 
uh, Healing with Your Pets. I had a radio show for a while, almost four years, uh, as a podcast, uh, 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 Healing with Your Pet, Our Psychic Spiritual Connection. Now I have a book like that. And um, and I I wrote on time because I had so many bizarre encounters with time slips, and suddenly I'm here, and suddenly it's another time. And and so I've written on time, and I've researched time, and I've read what various people had to say, scientists and and philosophers and and shamans and and Indian mystics about time, and it's very, very interesting. you know they're kind of coming together. Time is loop, not straight, not linear. So, so um, yeah. So then uh, you know I think my other area of interest is, is consciousness, and and uh, you know which leads to a lot of controlled experiments and description of out of body experiences. And I, I've described remote viewing and I've described time travel. You know, in a in a in a what would you say, a, um, a subtle body, an energy body. So my books uh, and my workshops are all about time and consciousness and out-of-body experiences for the most part. Um, they're all about spirit, you know, and so mm-hmm. you know, So my, my recent book was, was uh, uh, actually about ghosts, and that was the one that I really suppressed. You know, it's like, you know, you, you, there's always something you you just want to keep corked up, and 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 that was when I was for a while doing uh, ghost busting, very reluctantly doing ghost busting, and hence the title "Confessions of a Reluctant Ghost Hunter," because mm-hmm. when I was really trained how to go in and do it for people, you know, I didn't want to do it for money, but I would do it for neighbors or friends who really had bad experiences in their homes, and and some of them were just horrendous they were just awful and um and, and my book that came out uh, a couple three years ago was uh, seven secrets of time travel which looks at time timelessness and time travel which was a uh, outgrowth of an earlier book perfect timing and coincidentally i'm writing a new book uh, which will be called moving in the light or living in the light and it'll be a, a one one woman story of and in the transition of death and, and how she learned to to move freely between spirit and, and, and matter. And um, that's really what interests me, moving between spirit and matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're, we're, we're bodies that are just encased in this heavy, heavy thing that won't let us do much of anything. The trick is getting out. <laughs> but, but not before you're ready to get not Not before you're ready to get out. Absolutely, before you're ready to get out. You know, that's the whole trick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much to explore. There's so much to see and and discover. There's so much to learn. You know, why would you want to spend all your time inside this box, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, okay. Well, now, I, I, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, one of the one things I, I read in researching this was the uh, very gifted occult writer, uh, P.D. Uspensky. He was the biographer of Gurdjieff, and he was a very interesting fellow. He wrote some very remarkable books, and one of his books, Tertium Ornaganum, talks about how uh, we are three-dimensional creatures uh, trapped in a box. We we, We cannot see outside the box. 
we cannot relate to creatures that are above us, which would be like four, fourth dimensional creatures or fifth dimensional creatures. We have very little uh, affinity or interest in creatures that are, are, are one dimensional or two dimensional. So right. we just live our life in this little box. The trick is, he said, how do you get outside the box when you're limited to your five physical senses, you're limited to your three dimensions, and how do you get, how do you get, he said, well, the only way you get outside the box, really, because, because we are encased in this physical restraint, uh, that we live in, is, 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 is through higher consciousness. So, hmm. uh, meditation exercises from the East and, and Native Americans have kind of helped me, uh, escape the limitations of the physical body and out of body meditations. That's, that's interesting stuff. <laughs> Well, uh, you, uh, uh, you, 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 to- you talk about, uh, uh, experiences that you first had as, as a kid. I mean, did, uh, uh anybody else in your family, um, have similar, uh, uh a- experiences? Cause I found that a lot of times, uh, this kind of stuff tends to run in families. My mother, uh, I described some of her experiences. Um, she would have out of time uh, visions. Uh, she would see things that were earlier or later in time. Um, she saw her own brother returning from, from as as an older person and and visiting uh, them when she was young uh, at a time when he probably right after he died at, at an older age. She would have these experiences. She was the kind of person that. You know, she would think of you, and 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 you'd call her, or or she, you know, she always had precognition of events that would happen. She, she could kind of kind of see things happening, and she was very telepathic in that sense. Mm-hmm. That was the only one I could think of. The other mm-hmm. ones, of course, probably denied it. Smart <laughs> ones in the family usually do. <laughs> well, now. Um, you you had an interesting experience uh, uh when you were a kid um where uh you got uh you got sick on was it a was it a class trip or uh, uh yeah yeah it was uh, i uh was about oh gosh about 12 maybe and uh we decided that the the old rickety school bus that was parked there in the summertime was not going to take us to school Hence, we weren't terribly afraid of it. <laughs> but we found out it was a berry bus that would take you out berry picking. Well, we talked to some of the kids that were already in the bus, and they said, you know, you go out of town about 20 miles, and you get to pick these berries, and they're really good, and there's a great swimming hole in the back where we have our lunch. Well, we sized it up, and we figured, well, we could go and eat a bunch of berries and go swimming all day and then get right back in the bus. Mm. That's what we did. We didn't really work. And mm-hmm. I got sick. And I got sick, and uh, I was out there swimming after eating all these berries. And I, I, uh, I said, you know, I, I got, I'm, I feel really sick. He said, oh, you just ate too many berries, or you went swimming after you ate berries, or something. It's nothing, you know. Just lie down, and you'll be fine. No, I. Sometimes, you know, you can just tell when you're really sick. You just right. And 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 I said, no, this is really really bad, and. Um, and I said, I, I need to get back. And he said, well, go talk to the bus driver. So I went to talk to the bus driver. And he said, well, I take everybody home at the end of the day. We'll just blow the whistle and get on the bus. I said, I can't wait that long. 
He said, well, uh, I said, do you have a phone? I could call my mother. No cell phones then, by the way. And right. no, no, we don't have a cell phone out here in the very field. You, know, you have to wait. So uh, I said, that's not going to work. And so I looked. I, I said, i got to find my way home. I, I didn't really look where we, how we got there. It was way out of town. And I saw a railroad track at the edge of the property. And I said, that railroad track will lead right to my house. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. So I said, you know, I'll be seeing you. I'll just walk right back. And he said, you don't know if these tra- tracks will lead right to your house. They go all different directions. I said, no, the, the tracks will lead right to my house. I've seen tracks in front of my house. He said, no, 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 that's not right. So I said, well, i got to get home. I'm sick. And so I started walking, and I, I was waving at him. And I, as soon as I rounded the bend, I could no longer see and wave back at my friends who were frantically motioning me not to go. I, uh, everything changed. Everything in front of me changed. The whole scenery changed. And I was suddenly at the edge of a track looking at my house. Hmm. Wow. And I, That's really and weird. I walked into the house, and I walked into the house, and, I, and, uh, and my mother was home, and I said, uh, I'm really sick. And I said, I, I need to go see a doctor. I, I'm really, really sick. They said, you, she said, you probably ate too many berries. <laughs> said, no, I'm really sick. She said, well, go lie in my bed, and I'll give you seven up. I love those early days. You know, they'd always, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had some seven up. I said, no, I said, that was good seven up, but. Uh, but I still felt sick. And he said, well, if you're still sick in the morning, we'll call the doctor. I said, oh, I won't even be here in the morning. He said, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So the next morning they called the doctor and described where the pain was and what it was like and how long it had it. And the doctor was, of course, playing golf because when you make all that money, you got to go golfing, right? Naturally. So he said, you know, I am not... Um, at the hospital, uh, I've got, um, I'm, I'm on the back nine, and I think I could get there. Well, you bring them in there, I'll call ahead, and they'll, they'll prep the operating room, and when I get there, we'll, we'll do it. Well, they, they pushed me into the operating room, and before he even gets there, they said, oh my God, they said, his appendix a burst. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's kind of bad. So... So they said, we're going to have to find another doctor. But, oh, lo and behold, I guess he got a couple of bogeys because he walks in, this, this guy. <laughs> and he said, well, well, okay, that's that's fine. We'll take care of him here. And, of course, obviously, you know, uh, got to me in time. But when I got back and started recuperating at home, I sat out on the front porch, and I looked out, and I saw no train tracks. And it occurred to me that, I was like, I don't know, very sick, and I was just hallucinating that there were train tracks that led to my house. There were no train tracks that led to my house. Right. I thought how I could find my way back, and it was so far, and how I was there instantly. And so for a long time, I I would talk to my friends and say, do you think an angel carried me? How do you think this happened? Oh, they said, we we have no idea. They said, "Uh, we don't even, some of them would say to this day, you know, years later, we don't even remember the incident. We don't remember you leaving early. That's weird. And so um, about three years later, four years later, we moved to the next town. 
And in front of the house where we lived, there was a train track that went right to the front door. Hmm. So, I don't know. It was some kind of strange time manipulation. Um, you know, I've certainly had them, like a lot of people, like I'll be walking down the street and suddenly I'm at the end, you know, and I can't explain it. Yeah, I, but an, an intelligence was involved in that. What happened to you? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I've developed this theory in, in observing my son almost die in an accident, a biking accident up in Canada. I've developed this theory now that that when you sense on a deep level, let's say the spirit within you senses that the body is no longer a safe place, it, it starts taking charge. <laughs> and, 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 and very often your spirit will leave the body um, and, and people will often die when they're about to die and, uh, because I think the spirit vacates the body or in, or in some cases it, it, it takes charge and does miraculous things. I think there was a manipulation of time involved there. Right, hmm. and and I I think that a lot of people do have the ability to manipulate time, and if I could just tell you in twenty five or thirty words how to do it, I I certainly do so, but I can't. Um, I I know a, I know a cat that can do it. <laughs> it's not my cat, or we'd be on on uh, amazing tricks on um, Letterman. But this cat will just um, disappear in front of your eyes, and then it'll appear across the other side of the room. And we, we've had various people look at this cat. And um, they think this is just absolutely, you know, insane. And then, um, then they see it, and they say, "Yeah, I saw it." So, nor can the cat explain. You know, he smiles like he's kind of embarrassed because you know he's doing something, and he, you know, you can't do it. You know, and um, it, it's something that spirit just innately seems to know how to do. Um, but um, I think a lot of people have had experiences where they're suddenly someplace else or they'll go into a room and they they, they they've been there before and 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 we call them deja vu experiences this could be a deja vu explanation or you you've met somebody and you've it's like you know this person it's like where do you where do you know them from there are times when there uh, are Time seems to go extremely fast. Like, where did this, where did that hour go? You know, and then sometimes it goes extremely slow. So I think we do have the ability to manipulate time. Um, I remember um, when I worked on the had a newspaper up in Alaska on an island once, Petersburg, Alaska, and the economy because of the poor fishing and logging got so bad this year. I had to put out this whole little new newspaper by myself. So. Um, I got, you know, to where uh, I would pull all-nighters to, to paste it up and turn it out and, and, and get it on the press on time because it was printed out of town. I had to meet, meet the ferry or meet the plane to get it out to the presses in the next city. And um, sometimes um, I would look at the clock and it would be like an hour and 45 minutes before I had to have the pages already to, to be picked up, you know, time was running out, and and I, if I found that if I could just stare at the clock, you know, <laughs> I could actually make time go extremely slow. I know I could. I'm almost at the point where I can describe to people how to do that. I think I have exercises. In fact, there's a famous exercise, not mine, 
which is you stare at a clock, and if you can make the second hand stop, excuse me, yeah, the second hand stop for like three seconds, you're 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 almost there. You're almost there. Now this is a matter of perception, so it's not like you're screwing up everybody's timetable by doing this. You're 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 you're, you're screwing up yours. <laughs> you know, it's kind <laughs> kind of like um, you ever switch from like a. One channel on the TV to another, then back again. It's like you can see the same scene again, right? Yeah. But you do, but you, but you do get caught up, don't you? You, you have, you're not really behind. You, you didn't really lose three seconds or whatever. You, you get caught up eventually. Uh, I mean, that's the closest I could come to explaining it. This time is is fluid. You know, you can get it go faster, or slower, and it, and it loops. It loops back on itself. And um, it, um, it it can mani- be manipulated. Um, I don't know if manipulation is a good word. I think master is maybe, maybe a better word. But the trick of it is really to understand basically uh, the perception, your personal perception that's involved in how we see time and how we experience time. And how you experience something it really is going to determine its... its um, how it performs for you, and in in, in in that sense, you develop your moving reality or your 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 own your own reality. Um, mm-hmm. uh, your own experience with time becomes unique to you because you can make it stretch or you can make it go faster, um, which at, at times can be very valuable. <laughs> and 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 you know there are exercises that have been practiced for many years in India and even by Native Americans in this country, how you can actually go backwards in time or forwards in time to observe things, but always in a in a um, in a safe way, not in a DeLorean <laughs> or, a, or, a, or a phone booth. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? But, but you know, you you go in in, in in what you own. You know, you you go in your 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 energy body. You know. And you leave behind um, a resting shell of, of who you are. Yeah. So you're talking about astral projection, basically. Yeah, basically. But the yeah. difference is that in in this thing, you have to go with a high level of concentration, high level awareness. So the difference, I would say, is that when you do this sort of out of body meditation, if you will, we we'll call it meditation because we call all this meditation. It's it's it's, it's experiences. And exercises in uh, using a higher level of consciousness. Um, it, it you 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 um, take more of your energy bodies with you. You take your you take your emotional body. You take your causal body. You take your your mental body. You take all of this with you. Uh, for the most part, you're leaving your physical body behind, and you have to take. So so you could do an astral travel where you simply go in your consciousness and you could go with with less than that you know but when you when when people start seeing two of you <laughs> simultaneously in different locations it's because yeah. they've really bought a lot of themselves they they brought, brought with them their their emotional double their 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 etheric double they brought yeah. a whole lot of their astral layers with them have, have you ever had that happen reported in yeah. one of your cases 
Yeah, it sometimes upsets people. <laughs> so, so you kind of have to warn people to do it kind of, you know, serendipitously. So, but it's, it's helpful sometimes, and, 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 I mean, you can, you know, do things for people, you know. Um, you can visit the sick, you know. So what can, what can you do? I mean, can you, like, spy on people for them or, or uh, no, you know, no, no, go through the bank vault and open the other side of the door? Or? No, that would be kind of, no, no. But, but I'll give you just one practical application. And um, I, uh, I went to a, a, a book fair in, um, in London a few years back. And, um, and while I, just before I left, one of my cats, had gone outside and been run over, and mm. we took it to the vet, and, and he said, "You know, it's inoperable." He said, um, it, it, "It's it's broken in two places. This cat will never walk again." Mm. There's a place I, he said on the east coast. I forget where it was. I think he said Dartmouth. Is there a uh, veterinary school there? Um, it was on the east coast, as I recall. And he said um, they could probably operate. And uh, if you could get the, the the University of Minnesota interested, they would they would try it, you know. But I, I don't know what the results are. And he said it really is, is is how the cat is responding. He said I I wouldn't even suggest doing it now because the cat's got to have you know at least some recovery before this is possible. And um, so anyway. To make a long story short, um, he said, uh, it, it, it just, we'll just observe it for a week. I think he was just expecting you would die, you know. And so I asked my neighbor to check in on the cat, and the cat lived in a box. And the box was next to a litter box and next to food and water, and she, uh, she was instructed to feed the cat and help, and help it uh, use the litter box and very carefully pick it up and move it because the cat... If it moved at all, it could just drag itself, you know. There's nothing, the lower part of its body was just all smashed up. <sighs> so when I'm there, I'm thinking about this cat, and, and I thought, well, why can't I visit the cat? So I visited the cat out of body, and I'm in the room, and and I'm looking at everything in the room, and I'm looking at the cat, and the cat looks very surprised at me. But um, I start uh, stroking the cat, petting the cat, you know, sending energy to the cat, being with the cat, sitting with the cat, talking to the cat. Do this every day a few times. When I come back after eight days on the road, the neighbor says, you won't believe it, that cat is walking around. So I, after, you know, I wash all my clothes the ninth day, I take it to the vet, and, uh, and I said, I want you to examine this cat. And he says, is this related to the one who was uh, so badly smashed up by the car? <laughs> this is that same cat. He said, no. He said, yes, it is. He said, no, this is not the same cat. He says, it's, it's probably like its sister, right? He said, no, it's the same cat. He says, well, he says, we'll fix this. And he said, we'll solve this right away. And so he went in and took another x-ray. And he says, there's nothing wrong with this cat. There are no broken bones. Hmm. All I can tell you is that when the the cat loved to climb trees, it was just really good at it. it would go up and help other cats down in the trees if they would get scared. I would say, "Go help that cat," and it would go and talk to it, and they'd walk down together. This cat always kind of walked a little bit funny after that because, like I always tell people, neither the cat or I really knew anatomy very well. <laughs> Certainly didn't know cat anatomy, and I think when we reset the bones, we didn't set them quite right. But the cat 
you know, made an amazing recovery. Now, that was a practical application. It's also practical to use this to go and find where you've lost your keys. You used so, to lose my you keys you all said, the time. You used to lose what do you, what everything. What do you think happened exactly? Well, the cat? Well, I mean, oh, did, I you, think did, you, did you reach back into time? Well, I mean, or did you just... No, no, no. In this, in this, in this case, I visited it astrally, and, and we just exchanged energy. I mean, uh, basically, it was energy healing. That would be my explanation. I may be wrong. Maybe maybe there was some other explanation, but but the only but, the only but definitely the cat was better by the time you got back. It was better. And the only the only abnormal or abnormality in the story I could think of was that I I had very conscious waking um, um, experiences where I would I would um, lie on my back and visit the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think that's a practical application. I think when you lose lost objects, you know, you'd like to go back to that moment in time. Everyone says, well, retrace your steps. Where did you have the keys? Exactly where were you when you were carrying around your glasses? Because you have to retrace your steps. Well, it's not so easy to do, you know. So um, what I try to get people to do is go back in time and just actually see it, actually see it, you know. Um, that isn't so hard. I mean, going back in time a few, few, a few minutes is relatively easy. Going so can I go back in time, like several years, like punch somebody in the nose? Uh, uh, yes and no. You can go back in time to see somebody, but you can't punch them in the nose because oh, man. The, 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 there's there's no there's no downside to this. There's no danger attached to this because remember you're going as a, an energy body, so. You uh, have uh, acute observation, you know, like the shamans would go back and they would try to find uh, information for their people. They would visit the ancestors and the great spirits. They could go back in time or they go forward in time. They come back and bring back insights of what they had seen as a, a perfect witness. But no, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna have your fist and you're not gonna be able to sign documents or. By um, you know, IBM when it was cheap, none of these things are going to happen. So can you, don't you have visit like? Form. Can you visit like uh, different time periods and stuff, or could this? Could this po- is this the creative easiest, visualization as much as it is actual time travel? Yeah, I would say it's a very creative form of visualization. Uh, okay. But but to, to describe that, cre- real really true creative visualization, I mean. I don't know if any of your listeners are you are familiar with Shakti Gawain, and she wrote probably one of the best books on it. And I always want to go back to what she said because when you creatively visualize something, it is truly magic. And to do magic correctly, you have to visualize what you're creating, and then you have to actually visualize that you've created it, and then you have to totally believe it. I mean, there's a formula. You have to. Uh, Oh, let's see if I get the right steps. I, I certainly know the steps, but in the right sequence. You you uh, conceive, uh, uh, believe, uh, uh, achieve. It, 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 because if, if you don't believe that you're actually creating this, that it's just some thought, some idle thought. First of all, there's no idle thoughts. Because all thoughts take form. Every, every thought has a form. We just don't see it. It's just like in the old days when the pollution would come up in the sky through the smokestacks 
or down the stream, we'd say, uh, we don't see it, it's out of sight, out of mind. But, mm-hmm. you know, our thoughts actually have forms, too. And, and just simply because you don't, you're not, you, you're not able to see it doesn't mean that it can't be seen or doesn't have forms. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. they answer the question. Interesting, but but you know there 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 have been a number of cases, and I mean I've personally uh, investigated uh, uh, some of them of people who have had. Uh, I mean they they really feel that they have had physical, um, albeit briefly, uh, uh, time travel experiences. You know time slips where you know like they've been uh, walking walking down the street and all of a sudden find themselves in you know like a yeah. different period in time. It's a little disconcerting when you first do it because you say, what in the world? You know, and then you think, well, i got to be a little more careful because, you know, it's like meditating or listening to meditation tapes driving a car. It's, it's a little unsafe when you're walking around doing this. I mean, you have to prepare yourself. So, like, I, I, I try to set people up with exercises like the Samadhi mystics of India do. You know, mm-hmm. they have a very controlled environment where they're, they're lying on their back in a very safe place, maybe monitored by somebody. Certainly a safe room. And they're not walking about. You know, you could, you could have these experiences walking about. And then, and then you're kind of like, uh, you're kind of like an unguided missile, you know, as you're walking <laughs> about in your physical form. It's a little dangerous. I mean, I've had these experiences where I would bilocate walking across town. And, and I know I walk through traffic and through intersections, but I wasn't conscious of it because I was somewhere else. That's not safe. Yeah, you have to set up certain safety parameters. You have to believe in the process. You know, back to creative visualization. You have to actually not just simply create it. You know, as a picture, as a blueprint of what you're doing or wanting to achieve. But you actually have to believe in the process that you've actually done it. You have to believe in yourself. You know. You actually have done this, you know. Well, what about what about these people who have had these? Uh, just it just seems like almost like a spontaneous uh, time slip. I mean, is this something yeah. that they just happen to be at the right place at the right time, the right state of mind, and it just you know kind of just naturally uh, naturally happens? Well, uh, back to the the accident scenario. I think uh, spirit spirit wants to be free, and there are times. Mm-hmm. In your life where <laughs> spirit says, okay, I'm getting out of here. The boat's sinking. <laughs> it goes, you know, or it really does just want to go. And it will not abandon you when you're safely moving about. But if, if, if conditions are right, you know, the spirit will leave the body. Okay. And it doesn't now, now when, you, when you say spirit, you're talking about your own soul. Am I correct? Oh, that's such a difficult question. Um, <laughs> it is. It is your life essence, your your spark. Uh, it is the part of you that the Curlians were really looking for when they were, were playing around with the the energy camera. They were trying to determine at the moment of near death what part of you leaves the earth. You know, and they found right. out that that uh, there was a part of you that would actually leave the earth, you know, and it was measurable, you know. Lavoisier would have liked this because you could measure it. It weighed almost a pound, just short of a pound, they said. Golly sakes, you know, it's like that really kind of opened a lot of eyes because 
you know, you could see that uh, there are times when your life force, your eternal spirit, whatever you want to call it, would leave the body, and it would profoundly change things by doing so. It wasn't just a figurative departure. So when you're out of your body, do you do you see the silver cord? <laughs> it's not that scenic. I mean, I mean, I see. I mean, I see just basically what you see. I see trees and birds and well, I mean, you know, the silver cord, like the, cord in, other realm. Oh, the yeah. silver cord. Oh, the silver cord attached to yourself. Yeah, the silver cord. Yeah, is that, that all the That's figurative. I, I mean, I, I'm totally convinced that's figurative because what 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 keeps you connected? I I know people are terribly afraid if they leave the body. How on earth do they get back? Well, it's so extremely easy because there's a karmic attachment of you to you. So it's like magnets coming back together. All you have to think of is is. Uh, you know, it's like uh, I want to be back in my body, and bang, you're there because, like, you were always there. I mean, it's, so it's, you don't um, have to worry about coming back and somebody else has, has taken up residence, and you can't get no, in. No, no, no. I mean, it would take a lot of energy to enter somebody else's body. First of all, thank God nobody tries it. I mean, a few wackos, but, but I mean, no, you go back to your body. You know, and and it, it, it's extremely, it's harder to separate from your body than it is to get back to your body. Getting back to your body is very easy. So uh, the, the silver cord thing is just kind of, um, I think, um, um, a poetic description of how you're connected. Metaphor, maybe. Metaphorically connected, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, you know, you know, I had a, uh, um, I had a friend. This, this is an interesting story that, that you know it goes back to what you're saying about the uh, um, your you know the spirit leaving the body uh, before, just before death. I had a friend that I used to work with that uh, he had been in a car accident, and uh, uh, when I went to visit him later in the hospital, now he knew I was interested in stuff like this, and he told me he said that. Uh, um, when he was crossing a bridge and it was icy and his car spun out of control. And he said that uh, as the car started to spin, all of a sudden he found himself floating above the car. That's why he described it. He said that yeah, he was floating yeah, above yeah, the car, looking, yep. looking down at it, and he, he thought for a brief second that maybe he had gotten thrown out of the car. And that he was, you know, it was his his physical body. But he said it was like it was like in slow motion, and he could see the car spinning away from him, leaving him floating above it. And then he said that was uh, that was the last thing that he remembered till he woke up in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he said he almost felt like you know like a rat leaving a sinking ship. That was the way he described it to me. <laughs> yeah, I think this is kind of a typical thing too because. Uh, when, 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 when it becomes dangerous uh, to be in the body, then the spirit leaves the body. I mean, that's that's where we go when we die. That's why we're all not just, you know, you know, why. I mean, it's very, very simple when you think about it. You know, the spirit leaves the body when the body is no longer functional. And at these moments where it's going to be very, very difficult, it right. just gets out, you know. So so where do you, where do yeah. you think spirits go when they leave the body finally? <laughs> oh, that's a whole other subject. Um, uh, well, I think that I think that we all we all uh, progressively uh, move uh, beyond this earth plane, depending on your religious or philosophical orientation. 
I think that the soul evolves to something more. Uh, you know, I think there's probably a, a period of uh, very few people are left here. And what's left behind, because I just wrote a book about ghosts and I'm writing another one, um, what's left behind really in the case of, of poltergeists or spirits of the departed is, is just the, the lower self, you know, the personality, the, the lower emotional body, basically, right. the lower emotional body. Well, you know, that's what the, the lower self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why that's why they're so ditzy when you know people have tried to like talk to the departed because what's left here is just kind of some some hollow shell of what that person. Right, was. it's a shadow. Yeah, a shadow, and then if you do it right, the whole thing moves at once. Goes yeah. goes goes up, goes out, all together um, as one. And and I know a lot of people are concerned about how to help those who have not fully made the transition well i think you know there's no i don't think there's any way that your higher spiritual self cannot separate and, and move on it is light it's the light body so it goes on it moves on but there are elements of your emotional body mainly your your lower personality your your lower ego that are probably here and they have an attachment to this or to that and people people who have had difficult lives and the people who have often committed suicide for instance they 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 they, um, they, they have a, a personal attachment to this earth and uh, fear of moving on but I'm, you, you mentioned the word soul and I, and I, I honestly have to confess I don't know the difference between soul and spirit and I've wrestled with it for a long time um, I, I think that there are higher high higher life form, our higher essence, our, our, our eternal life force leaves here in every single case. But in the case of some people, I think there are emotional, there's some emotional baggage left behind. So what happens with a really so, evil soul? Like, like <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the real evil spirits, the, the ghosts. Yeah. Well, so the, the, you know... You have to remember that, and this is a principle of magic that, that we often gloss over, but this is a component of magic and power, is, is, is the ability on, on, uh, in the emotional body to, to generate, uh, to generate something like electrical power, you know. So, 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 so um, what happens is that, is that very unhappy spirits um, with some baggage left behind, will will often um, uh, have. Um, we're dealing with the emotional residue of, of the of these people. But then, uh, but in terms of their personal self consequences, yeah. do you think they that they go someplace where they are punished for their extremely evil deeds on Earth? Ah, punished. The thing is, you know. <laughs> Everyone thinks there's going to be some great big, you know, courthouse in the sky. And, you know, we deal, we deal on a day-to-day and year-to-year and lifetime-to-lifetime level with the consequences of choices we made or have failed to make, you know, and, and we, we, 
you know, what was it, the Scrooge, <laughs> you know, and Jacob Marley. We've, we've forged our own chains. These are the chains we've So, made. so, so when somebody like Hitler let me, let me killed over six million people, you know, somebody kills over six million people or, or Mao Zedong, you know, who was responsible for many more than that, many, many millions, um, I mean, Obviously, it would be an unjust universe if they were not somewhere where they had to had to pay the price for what they did. Yeah, they have to pay the price for what they did, and 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 in a higher sense, because they still have a soul, they still have a higher self that they they're not very well in touch with. That that higher self, that soul, will met out a punishment for themselves. They'll. In effect, become their own their own um, prosecutor. So you don't you don't think there's a higher power that's going to judge them for what they did? No, nor do I believe that there's um, uh, ca- uh, karmic uh, judges or what would you, what do they call it uh, the, uh, the the the, uh, the karmic. Uh, uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't think there's any 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 court or I don't think you stand in front of Saint Peter. Although so you don't think, so you think that basically a psychopath is his own judge and jury, and that so see if he's still a psychopath when he dies, then there are no consequences. You see what there I'm saying? Terrible consequences because this this psychopath still has a higher self, and and there's no getting around the fact that this psychopath will eventually have to to deal with that because uh, we all have and some of us we've suppressed. Our higher self, but but ultimately, ultimately the karma will be meted out with with our with our either our at our direction or our our agreement. Well, it's like it's it's almost like you were saying, you know, there there are parts that can, of us that can be left behind when we when we pass on you know that's the the hawaiians believe you know the ancient hawaiians uh, native uh, hawaiians believe that there are like seven parts of us and that uh, you know that what we you know what, what we refer to as you know like ghost or, or poltergeist or even like the ego or personality is right. just yep. is just one part of us but then like the tr- our true self the that 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 part of us that is that is the, the 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 part of creation and the creator is is just so far above that that yeah. it's just yeah. you know I mean, it's just it's, it's basically you know night and day yeah. Well, you know, you talk about out-of-body experiences, you know, and there are a lot of people who, of course, have had the, the near-death experience or have actually been dead, and you hear all these wonderful things about their experiences, but there are also plenty who claim they have seen a place of terrible judgment and punishment Absolutely. where Absolutely. souls are held and they are not in control of themselves, and there's another force there that is judging them and holding them in bondage. And there are tons and tons of accounts by these people. I mean, they pass lie detector tests and everything. So, you know, I have to wonder if, you know, there isn't somebody up there that says, hey, you know, I created all of you. All spirit comes from me, and now I'm going to give you the consequences that you've earned. Or maybe that we're all totally connected by this by this, this light, by this... Um uh, we're all part of the whole, and that we collectively uh, are part of the judge and jury. And I think we, we get into this judge and jury thing a bit heavy, you know. Uh, this situation comes up on a day-to-day basis, and people don't really think about it. You know, we're not all faced with uh, 
the, the, the crisis of, of uh, sending six million people to their death. Mm-hmm. But we all have ch- challenges in our life, and we all have trials, and we all have opportunity in our lives, too. And, and, and when we ignore this, um, then it, it repeats itself. You know, like Groundhog Day, the whole thing starts all over again. And we say, oh, guys, this keeps coming up. I keep bumping my head against the wall. You know, and this is the way it presents itself. And there's a certain amount of self-programming that every one of us do. You know, that's why we're all so very unique. But we're all part of a, a great master divine plan, to be certain. It's not all just you. It's just yeah. you're not isolated. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted uh, th- th- this is a good way to segue into um, your your book, uh, uh, the Reluctant Ghost Hunter. You know, because we, you know we we've been kind of skirting around uh, uh, that with uh, uh, with these lines of uh, questions. So uh, let me ask you, um, uh, uh, why the title, uh, Reluctant Ghost Hunter? Wasn't my title. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Right off the bat, I wanted to call it ghosts. I wanted to call it ghosts, uh-huh. and then I, I wanted the subtitle to be uh, uh, something like uh, I forgot what it was. Uh, uh, oh, a cautionary tale. Uh, but they thought it, it was so autobiographical. They thought that that I was a very reluctant ghost hunter, and I was confessing uh, my shortcomings or something as a ghost hunter, and they thought it was a very wonderful title. And so since they paid to print it, you know, I certainly am happy that they uh, uh, did so. So they uh, they gave it their title and they gave it their cover. Uh, but uh, I think it's it's accurate in the sense that uh, I always was a reluctant ghost hunter. I never, never stopped the position. I always had the ability to see, to uh, I say always, but I for many years had the experience of seeing ghosts or perceiving ghosts, one way or the other, either seeing or hearing or or perceiving them. And this would happen again and again. And I would, I would sometimes have shouting matches with them to leave that they were bugging me. I never, like, when I finally met a ghost hunter who my teacher set me up with, said, I think you should meet this woman. And she said, is this something that interests you? And I said, yes, it interests me very much. She said, why so? And I said, because I keep seeing these these uh, ghosts, and I never really know what to say with, to them or do. Or I know it bothers people. I just want to leave the room because it's kind of creepy. And she laughed. She said, well, it's very troubling when you live in a haunted house and you don't know why they're there and... and, and you know, don't, wouldn't, don't you think you would be nice to uh, resolve the situation if you could? I said, yeah, I, I would agree. She said, well, I'll just tell you how I do it, and we'll spend a couple of days together. And, you can, you know, I ended up making notes and things and like a class. And, and then she said, no, it's up to you if you want to do this or maybe just if, if the opportunity presents itself, at least you would have had some background how to do it properly. You'll, and then that maybe next time you'll know how to actually uh, contact the ghost in a proper way, and, and maybe and maybe help them move on, which which would be ideal. You know, help them, I say, fully move on because a part of them has already moved on, but there's some residue left behind, and that's that's the problem. So um, I found out there were a lot more <laughs> than than simply dead people that were reluctant to move on out there. 
Mm-hmm. And they were haunting houses, and that really, really kind of upset me. Right. So, what, so you're talking anyway. about non-human entities? Non-human entities, yes, non-human entities. Yeah. Really? And then, and then, yes, yes, it's troublesome. And then, oh, it's troublesome, it's scary as hell. But, very scary. Uh, it, it, it's very hard to deal with them, you know, and it's like, oh, I've been on shows before, and they say, oh, I didn't call a priest. They said, well, well, give me this Magic 800 number, because I don't know what priest is going to deal with these things. I honestly don't know. Um, they're difficult. I mean, they, they don't, they uh, are very difficult to deal with. You can't really relate to them. Then there's the case of just malevolent spirits. There, there, there are angry ghosts. There are angry ghosts. There are ghosts that really don't want to be helped. They're just kind of like, like the feral cat that you cannot take into your house because it's so scared and it's so upset, and it's been a ghost so long, it just will not um, uh, sit and talk with you. It doesn't want to be comforted. Doesn't want it's your help and uh, friendly um, uh, encouragement to move on. It just wants to be left alone. And and I think it's troublesome that people go into haunted situations has become very fashionable now. This is one of the things I made in the book, too. But we have these shows now, where these Ghostbuster shows, where they go in and they yeah. just they kind of stormtrooper the place and chase them around and try to aggravate them. And it just it upsets these ghosts to no end. It makes them really, really mad. So one of two things, they're either going to hide or they're going to get nasty mean. You know, and it's like, uh, yeah. yeah, you know. They shouldn't be surprised know, when something follows them home. Let me put it that way. Exactly. They shouldn't be surprised if something follows them home. They, you know, if, if if a ghost doesn't want to be dealt with, you either set certain parameters to where it can be so you're not bumping into it and, and um, you know, and tr- bothering each other, or you learn to walk around it. I mean, it, it's easy to walk around it. You know, sometimes you have to move. Trying to live in a house or a property that's ever going to be haunted where the spirit refuses to move you know you just go you know yeah and I, I think i found one like that out in the woods they just didn't want to go just didn't want to go so um we tried to expel it from the property and it didn't want to go so i i, I think um i think these shows they 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 they, they want to show you they they, they can collect something on uh, you know, that's measurable. They have all their equipment set up, you know, right. to catch sounds or to catch the images of flashing of light or maybe we've all seen, you know, ghost photography or heard people where they got a call on the phone or something. Yeah, that happens. It's usually not a whole lot said, like a, not a long conversation, maybe a word or maybe two words. You know, it takes a lot of energy them to do that much it takes a lot of energy for them to you know move a door uh but you know when they when they want you gone they'll they'll move doors and yell at you and 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 but i i think also this that when we see these shows that are so popular today or these movies or books you have to think you know that these people that are trying to capture them on film or or a recording of their voice you know what do you think you're really capturing and how meaningful do you really think it is right when these ghosts have no feet to make uh, to make footsteps the they have no vocal cords to make a sound you know what are they doing they're projecting something and they're projecting whatever they want you to hear 
you know. So, I mean, here's a very typical uh, observation. Many people will go into what's thought to be a haunted situation where maybe it's a little cold or a little empty feeling or, or your hair stands on end, and you go into this room, and some people will hear something or some people will see something, whereas others will hear nothing at all or see something or hear something totally different. So, uh, you know, I would suggest to you this, that they, they can manipulate what they see and, and who sees it. Yep. Because not every ghost is captured on film, and sometimes, um, and, 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 and I think anyone who's really honest and has done this ghost hunting will have to admit that they've sometimes captured sounds on tape or pictures, uh, images on, on, on film, and then the images either changed or disappeared. Mm-hmm. That's very, that's yep. very interesting and it's very little talked about, but it's, but it's a fact. Um, you know, um, they are manipulative, and and uh, so you really can't measure, in a physical sense, what's really on a spirit spirit level. Is what I guess what I'm trying to say. You know, that's that's interesting that you would uh, say that about images, uh, um, you know, caught on film that that changed because, and I can't remember now who uh, who the person was. It wasn't Ted Sirios, but it was somebody similar to him who had the ability to uh, do uh, a photography, you know, to to impress <laughs> images onto film. Well, um, you know, some uh, scientists were working uh, with this guy, and he did a series of uh, photographs, and uh, the the pictures that came out, uh, it was a series of, uh, it looked like actually a, uh, um, a, a nude woman, um, kind of like uh, uh, pirouetting or leaping or something along those lines. Well, as uh, it, after they had uh, um, got the exposure and then developed it, um, the woman was in one position, and they, you know, they made a copy uh, of that. But then, in a few days, the position had changed in the photograph, yeah. and, and and you know, they showed like you know before after. Yeah. So yeah. It's very I, unusual. I've <laughs> experienced that too, and then and then people will say, "See, just it's all in your head." But you know, it was once on the film. <laughs> Yes. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I've had pictures before that I've shown people, and they said, "Yeah." And then they say, well, "Let me see that picture again." And it's different, you know. And it's like, "Well, okay, now there's two of you who have this kind of uh, kind of craziness." It's like, you know, uh, but you know, it, it, it's very hard to measure it, um, and um, and they're very selective in, in, as to who they talk to or who they try to communicate with. People who have received spirit communications will probably understand what I mean. I'm working on a book now, and the book opens where, and this is actually something that happened to me, you start getting calls from somebody who's dead. <laughs> and my, my my ghost book actually describes a woman whose dead sister kept calling her. And these things mm. happen, and they're very upsetting. They're very upsetting what happens. But the point is, they... Uh, they don't just go, you know, around, you know, bump in the night. They, they're very selective. You know, they'll call a certain person, and, and they can get through to you. You know, they don't have to know your number. You know, they don't have to look it up, you know, but, and, they'll, and, and, and they'll get you, you know, and, and nobody else. Um, I'm not saying there's some huge conspiracy. I'm just saying that they're very manipulative, you know, and it's very selective who they choose to communicate with. So 
um, I think it's very hard, just like it's very hard for us to cross over to meet them on this, you know, this level where they live, you know. It's very hard for them to cross over from where they live to meet us, you know. Uh, but my one of my early teachers, Lewis Gittner, told me early on, he said, you know, you got to be very careful of hitchhikers, Vaughn, because there are a lot of people in the spirit realm that want to come here, you know, and don't bring them in. Don't bring them in. If you bring mm. them in, you can't necessarily send them home. You mm. know, and it's tough. I've yep. heard, well, I don't want to go into it. We've all heard bad stories of people who thought they could bring things forth and they couldn't put them back. And, right. and it becomes a real real problem so there are things that go bump in the night you know it's not just a made up story uh, right they're not they're not all your dead aunt ruth you know <laughs> dead aunt ruth is probably just fine where she's at you know and fluffy the cat is probably fine and, and spot the dog but but you know there's all these other things out there too i mean we live in a very crowded uh Universe. We just think that, you know, where are all these creatures we can't see, this unseen, invisible world? Well, they're, they're all here. We call layers of reality just beyond our limited scope of, 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 of uh, sensory perception, you know, our ability to see only three dimensions on our best day, you know. Mm. I think we're all okay. three-dimensional thinkers oh. with sense of grandeur, yes. Yeah, Vaughn, uh, hold that thought there. We we need to uh, go and take a a break here real quick. And uh, okay. when we come when we come back, I want to uh, continue that 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 line of thought that uh, that that you were just talking about. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and, and do our break. Uh, you are listening to the Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network tonight. We're talking with uh, talking to uh, Vaughn Bratchler. I'm Tim Schwartz with Mike Mott. And we will be right back in just a few minutes, so please stay tuned. I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. You can also receive our free print catalog. Just send your name and mailing address to mrufo8 at hotmail.com. I'll spell that out for you. M-R-U-F-O, the number 8, at hotmail.com. MrUFO8 at Hotmail.com. Find out what they don't want you to know. But anyway, before we went to break, we were talking about ghosts and stuff. And uh, Vaughn, one of our pet peeves on here is the very thing you're talking about, ghost hunters who act like they know what they're dealing with and, you know, they treat ghosts like their their property or something or whatever that, yeah. whatever they're calling ghosts. And they can't see what they're dealing with. They have no idea what they're dealing with. That's it. That's it. And, and the other interesting thing is they, they'll appear to you uh, when they choose to appear to you. It's, it's, not, it's not that you can't find them. It's just uh, it's just sometimes they'll appear and sometimes they won't. It takes a certain amount of energy, first of all, for them to appear, you know, re- regardless of what the ghost is, whether it's a deceased person or a non-physical entity or, or whatever it is, you know. Um, it, it, it takes a certain amount of energy to do that, and, and um, for them to appear in front of you or to speak um, is, is is very difficult. And um, they're not just going to do it all the time, and they're not going to do it just for anybody on command like a trained SEAL. Right. Right. It's insulting, isn't it? It's insulting. And, and, uh, and on so many levels, it's so wrong and so rude. You know, first of all, if you if you if you think of, as most people do, that all these ghosts are, are deceased people, 
let the, let the let the dead lie in peace. You know, good grief. You know, yeah, on I some agree. Level, doesn't this doesn't seem so wrong? I mean, what what societies, uh, what what civilized society disturbs the dead like that? Well, we're war- we're warned against uh, that. Uh, uh, a lot of religious traditions warn you not to do that. That you don't yeah. disturb them. And another thing is that you know that, that's one of my pet peeves. With, I mean, look, I'm all into archaeology and history and stuff, but, you know, you find, uh, say, Native American or Viking or whatever burial mound, and then you go and dig it up. Oh, it's in the name of science. Well, no, actually, you're grave robbing. You're disturbing the dead. That's right. Yeah. Put it back. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, the, the, the thing that a lot of these, you know, uh, so-called haunted houses or, you know, haunted people, the, the, the situations, the, whatever it is that is causing the ruckus, uh, not, not saying all the time, but a lot of times it seems like that rather than it being, you know, like you said, Great Aunt Maud or, you know, Grandpa Smith or you know, something like that, it seems like that you're actually maybe dealing with almost a, um, a, 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 a spiritual parasite of yep. some kind. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and ghosts are known or spirits are known. To attach themselves to people, so it's it's kind of um, it's kind of a dangerous thing to get into, you know. If you want to just right. hang out with these things and be their friends, you know. I had one woman show up at a workshop, and she said, "How do I get this thing off me?" I said, "You know, uh, I can't do it. I mean, you're the one, only one who can do it, you know. And and um, you're going to have to do certain steps and." procedures to do this and 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 it's not going to be easy and it had been with her a long time it just mm. became very parasitical and and uh, and it was it seemed to to like living vicariously with her you know uh and and that's um an uncomfortable situa- situation i know someone who lives in a house with a couple of the early residents who sometimes appear to him and they are very a benevolent spirits. They just they, when he goes to bed, they'll just suddenly appear above him, and they'll be wearing their 1901 clothes, and they'll be smiling, and they kind of tuck him in, you know. So, um, but it's you know, it's their call. You know, we shouldn't be like stalking them. And what we're doing, it's not ghost hunting; it's ghost stalking. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, I was I was just going to say. So now, uh, would you say that uh, um, these kinds of haunting situations? I mean, you know, one hundred percent human spirits, or you know, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Well, you know, the naive me who used to occasionally uh, hear the footsteps of the woman committed suicide or or the ghost in the the rented room would say, "Well, they're all just." People who had lived there before, and they just, they kind of, part of them just remained. And, you know, I, I was so happily naive, and ignorance truly is bliss. Now I know, I just know that there are non, non-human entities out there that are attaching themselves to certain elements. Right. There are, well, first of all, nature spirits, and some of them are angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are... 
are other spirits um, that uh, are, are not of this earth and never have been that just occasionally pop in and they're other dimensional beings is what they are and 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 they 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 like being here they think it's really interesting you know they would like to have a physical form on this physical plane and and for us to to encourage that is is really a dangerous thing you know i i don't want to be unduly alarming but but uh you have no way of controlling these people or, or knowing that they're on the level, you know. Um, they might even appear as your favorite uncle <laughs> and say something to you and, and be totally charming, but, but you don't know. You don't know who they are. I mean, they, they can change the way they appear from time to time. And um, it, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing. They don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they... Uh, they, they slip through a crack in the, in the world, and, and this sometimes happens, and it's, it's very hard to get back. If you, if you just um, don't feed them any energy, you know, they, they, they will simply, on, on some level, you know, cease to be, or, or they'll give it up or move on. Or, right, right. The worst thing you can do is interact with them and give them energy, you know. Right, they, they're, energy, they're energy vampires. Energy vampires. That, yeah, that's that's it. So that's that's bad. Don't get don't get emotionally charged. Don't invest anything. Well, you think about it. Them. Yeah, I mean, anything like this is a attention and worship are really pretty much the same thing. You know, you give something like that a lot of attention, you're basically worshiping it and you're feeding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, the old adage: just don't encourage them. <laughs> you know, it's not a good idea. So right. Um, and, 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 and people who, who desperately want closure with, let's say, dead relatives or friends, and they just can't bear to think of them being gone, they'll try to call them back, or they'll try to talk to celebrities they wish they would have known, but wouldn't have given them time of day when they were living. And, and they try to call them up and, and, and talk to them, and, and you know, um, it's terribly unreliable that you're going to get who you think you're getting. You're opening a, you're opening a doorway, a portal, and who knows who's Who's going to come through? And they're, you know, who knows what they're going to say? You know, you, you don't uh, necessarily have much control over these things. It's, it's, it's um, this this crossroads where the dimensions meet. You know, our physical world and the other, you know, other dimensions and non-physical world. They, you know, it's like a busy railway crossway and people are arriving by trains all the time and everybody's confused as to what train to get on and there's really no time schedule and trains are coming and going and bumping into each other and you know you stop there and you let people get on your car and ride home with you it it it's um it's a bit dangerous because they might not want to go back they might not know how to go back you know so um i think um let 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 the dead rest in peace and 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 the rest you you, you don't want to know <laughs> you know and, and and please please don't watch these terrible shows on tv they're very bad remember the woman from england that was always wanting to unite people with their dead pets well that can't be very healthy well, you know let the pets go you know i mean I've, I, we've probably all sensed that our pet was still there you know but after a couple of days, it's gone, right? You know, it's no longer, you know, sitting up on your bed and 
you know, that's the way it should be. You know, we should mm. move on. You know, this is just a, this is just a, a, a place along the way. You know, this is this is not the final destination. Well, you know, I I always I always hope that um, after I do pass on from this physical plane, that you know, wherever I go afterwards, that all the pets that I have had will be there waiting for me. You know, I mean that. To, <laughs> I feel the to, same way. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. to to me that 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 would truly, you know, be heaven. And you know, and these people who say that, you know, oh, uh, you know, animals don't don't have souls; they're not really living. And it's like, uh, you know, the people who say that obviously have never had pets. You know, because right. I, yeah. I tell you, I tell you book by a, yeah, Gary Kowalski, a minister, called the soul the the souls no the souls of animals. Mm. At one time, all the great religions of the world believed that animals have souls, and then that was just drummed out of us. It's, you know, it was just it was just rewriting history to say it's not so. It's not so. It's it's only you. Everything else is just an object. But of course, they have souls. You know, right. Well, I just uh, I've I've always believed that, and it just always kind of flabbergasted me, you know that uh, uh, you know uh, sometimes you know like great theological minds, you know supposedly would say that you know nope nope it's not animals are just you know like you said they're just objects. And they used to say that they have no feelings. Remember that was oh well, yeah feelings. right right. Now they've proven that's absolutely untrue. You know they have feelings. You know, they don't all tear up. You know, uh, dolphins tear up. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, very interesting. Did we evolve from a dolphin? Very interesting thought. But um, um, actually, you know, you know the 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 the, the feelings, the, the sensory uh, uh, feelings of nerves in the body. You know, it's, it's, it's now shown that everything, fish included, you know, will feel pain. You know, if you feel pain, you you have feelings. So, hmm, yeah, interesting. Everybody would I, like to be reunited with their. Everybody would like to be united with their childhood doggy, right? That mm. doggy you had as a <laughs> as a little boy, a little girl, yeah. Mm. Oh but yeah, well, it's I mean, somewhere yeah. else doing something else. <laughs> and maybe maybe you'll see uh the dog later but but you know when we when we do when we do pass you know through you know this this is just a transition and and uh, death lasts only for an instant and then you're alive again right somewhere you right. Know, because the eternal spark is you know burns in all of us and energy cannot be destroyed you know your body can be destroyed but your emotional energy, your divine spark, cannot be destroyed. So, hence, regardless of your religious or philosophical orientation, we must all, on some level, agree that we are that, that we are eternal beings because because we are, are yeah our energy will continue. So, so the energy that courses through us, you know, that's going to propel us to something else beyond this 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 transition we call life on earth and right. we'll go somewhere else every one of us can do something and and and, and hopefully it'll be we will we'll have learned something and hence we would have somehow evolved or grown from the experience we would hope um and and 
and and that's what that's what the dead should be doing. They shouldn't be hanging around holding <laughs> your hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you you made an interesting point earlier that um, the uh, that what we would uh, perceive as as ghosts or spirits or anything like that is actually just act- uh, 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 like a like a tiny almost insignificant uh, piece of us that has you know for whatever reason has has stayed behind you know the ego personality or whatever uh, you know I, I think back to especially you know like in the late 19th century um, when people like Sir Conan Doyle and uh, Harry Price were um, using spirit mediums to try to contact uh, friends of theirs who had made the promise that, you know, when they died, that they would try to, you know, communicate, you know, afterwards. But when they would communicate, it was like they almost were suffering from amnesia. You know, that, and, 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 and it seemed like that they were having a hard time formulating their thoughts. Yeah, and my teacher, Lewis Goodness, said, you know, some of these people weren't so bright when they were alive. you think they got smarter after they died? Well, the, the part of you that, that hangs around this, this, sh- this shell probably isn't so bright, you know. It's going to mm-hmm. be like, uh, oh, yes, you know, really slow-witted, you know, because this is the lower consciousness, you know. It's like when you're hypnotized, you know, what, what the hypnotist is, is trying to manipulate and control is your lower consciousness. Well, right. you know, they call it a super consciousness, but mm-hmm. but you know they're, they're, they've kind of put you to sleep, and 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 you're kind of in a dazed, kind of groggy sort of you know, you know you're so sleepy, your eyes can hardly hold them open, and and then you're you're saying now cluck like a chicken, and they cluck like a chicken. <laughs> well, this is what's left when you're if you're a ghost, and this is what's left behind. Is it's just this horrible shadow of of who you were. You know, and, and, and my, my heart goes out to people who actually do help these, these half-life, you know, move on fully, go in and contact them and encourage them to move on, that it's, it's safe, it's going to be all right, and it's just totally natural to go, you know, and because they, they can't be happy here. You know, they, they, do, they do live out these, these endless loops of, of uh, ritualistic behavior over and mm-hmm. over, doing the same things at the same time of day. You know, it, it's, it must be a living hell to be doing that. Like a prisoner, they, you know, they blow the whistle and you perform every day the same horrible, horrible acts uh, as, a, as a ghost. So, I mean, I feel sorry for, for the ghosts. I really, truly do. But they need, they need someone who will help them, not someone who will hound them. Well, that is, if you're talking about, I mean, are these shades actually conscious, like we think of as consciousness, or are they just basically just like shadows, almost like a film, you know, just an imprint just being played over and over and over again when the conditions are right? Yeah, and I suspect, you know, most of them are, are just that. They're just... They they have so little consciousness, they don't even perceive that you're there. I mean, a lot of ghosts will not even perceive that you're in the room, you know. Um, they just don't even have that awareness. They're so so empty at this point. So, right. um, so I mean, I've, I've encountered ghosts that they're startled that I see them. It's like, do you see me? Said, yeah. Oh, wow. 
they get all nervous because someone's seen them, you know. So, right. yeah, it's not a comfortable existence. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And, and, and we should all avoid this happening to us, you know. Practice. It's at all possible. Be ready. When you die, you know, be be fully ready to move on. You know, look, look, look to go. <laughs> Take, jump on, jump on board and go. You know, don't leave anything. <laughs> There's nothing here for you. <laughs> Someone's going to take your bed, sell your clothes. Goodbye. It's over. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, Vaughn, we have just a uh, a few minutes left in the uh, the show here. So, uh, why don't you tell our audience where they can find out uh, uh, more about you? Uh, do you have a website, Facebook page where they can find your books? Uh, maybe you know uh, uh, what uh, what you're working on. Uh, for for the near future, that sort of thing? Okay. Uh, mostly I'm loafing around these days, but I'm working on something. <laughs> working on a sequel to uh, to the book, and I'm, t- I'm talking about uh, a roommate of mine named Deb who died at a young age of 33 and, and, and how she became comfortable with the fact that she was going to not die, but to move move on and she became mm-hmm. very comfortable with this and, and we actually walked her through it it was kind of like we did the, we did kind of like we treated it like well, like the Tibetan Book of the Dead actually walking through the bardo so we actually mm-hmm. did color therapy and walked her through and so um, I mean that's what I'm working on now I'm talking about how she went through a hospice and then she became very comfortable with the, with the excuse me with the fact that she was going to be opening a door and then she became very conscious of the fact that when she went and opened the door, that the room would fill up with light, and that it was warm, and that she fully occupied the new room, and then she was comfortable there. And then she would go in another room and open the door, and the room would fill up with light. We, we kept doing this. I mean, call it creative visualization if you like, and that's truly what it is. But she 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 developed a a way of, of walking through this maze that some people find troublesome at the point of death, you know, and it's described in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, finding your way through the bardo, you know, and, and, and you know, because I think for a lot of people it is upsetting, you know, the idea that you're going to die and what are you going to do and I'm so worried and, and, and it, to her it was like, finally she said, I'm ready, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> mm. and, and, and I know she is. So that's what I'm working on. Um, it'll be called, the working title is uh, Moving in the Light, Dead Story. And um, and then I think it, it's going to introduce people to the concept of actually moving and living in the light. Which if you can live and move in the light, then that you're going you're gonna to ride light energy. I mean, going all the way back to right. Einstein's theory, you know, when light strikes you. Well, if you can actually ride the wave, you know, you, you can actually move, you know. Like with light, light speed, you know. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm working on. And as far as catching up with me, um, I've got a. You go to Amazon, and they've got an author page. And sometimes I mention what I'm doing. I think I mentioned this. <laughs> People would have known. Only know if they'd only known, they would have heard this. So, so um, yeah, um, the, the things are posted there. I'll be at INATS West in Denver in. in January, if anyone's out that way, stop by. I'll sign and give away the ghost book. And uh, Saturday and Sunday signings uh, in June. And um, 
It's the um, I have a Facebook. It's just Vaughn Brashler. Pretty easy to find. And then you can go to uh, my publisher, Inner Traditions, and they they'll post things for me. Those good people and uh, of Rochester, Vermont, and um, that's uh, pretty much how to get a hold of me. Cool. I haven't got a clue how to do a web page. <laughs> I can barely do the Facebook. <laughs> or as my former employer said, the book of faces. I said, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, Vaughn, thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate you taking your uh, time for us tonight to, uh, yep. Thanks uh, to for be our guest. Me. Well, fantastic! You know, it's uh, been a real pleasure talking to you, and I I really do look forward to uh, reading your new book uh, uh, when it comes out. So, I mean, be uh, be sure to I give us a shout. Finishing it, <laughs> it'll be a joy to finish. <laughs> Believe me, it's very hard to write. Uh, I found about someone very close to you. It's very very hard. Oh, I know. I thought writing about yourself would be hard, but writing about someone who's passed on was dear to you is is very very hard but um yeah thanks for having me on and have a good day we appreciate it that's right all right mike well that uh that wraps up another uh uh, edition of uh, the outer edge i want to thank our guest uh von brashler for uh being with us uh tonight very interesting program and uh uh, his his uh books are uh equally as interesting so i mean i recommend that uh everyone go out and uh Get themselves, uh, you know, uh, copies of all of them. It can be found yep. on Amazon.com. It was, it was a great interview, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, you've been listening to The Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. I'm Tim Swartz. Uh, tonight we've had uh, Von Brassler as our guest. And uh, uh, as always, uh, Mike, uh, great talking to you tonight. And uh, you, we'll, we'll see you next week. Adios. source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. 
Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. You can also receive our free print catalog. Just send your name and mailing address to mrufo8 at hotmail.com. I'll spell that out for you. M-R-U-F-O, the number 8, at hotmail.com. mrufo8 at hotmail.com. Find out what they don't want you to know.